Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Come on, somebody. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Heal my heart. No, just kidding. <laughs> oh, man. Um, make it clean. You know, um, I'm going to be uh, officially applying for our worship ministry next week, so uh, beware. Easter Sunday, all right? Uh, hi, everybody. I'm James. I'm one of the pastors here. Thank you for coming out uh, in person as well as online. I promise you not all of our pastors are as weird as I am. I'm probably the only one that's weird, all right? Uh, but it's nonetheless good to see you and great to be here. And how awesome is it that one of our deacons stands in here uh, to pray for our congregation receives applause? That was awesome. We should do that every Sunday. Amen. All right. Uh, um, today is Palm Sunday. I'm super excited. It says Palm Sunday right here. That's how I knew it. You know, it's Palm Sunday. Um, this is the day that Christians like me uh, and many of you believe that Jesus had entered into the city of Jerusalem in what is now known as a triumphal entry, where people were shouting Hosanna, which means save us, and they were laying down palm tree leaves as a symbol of welcoming a king. And this is a theologically important story written in all four of the Gospels. Matthew 21, Luke 19, John chapter 12, and Mark 11 all tell us the story of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And today, we're going to do something a little bit unique in that we're not going to look at one of those passages, but we're going to think about the meaning of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem and the application to our lives today from a vantage point of the middle of the week, because this coming week is what we call the Holy Week or the Passion Week. And so today's passage comes from Mark chapter 14, verses 1 through 11. Mark chapter 14, verses 1 through 11. Please open up your Bibles with me if you have, and I'm going to read for you the Word of God. And this is the reading of the Word of Lord. It was now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by stealth and kill him. For they said, Not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly. And she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And then when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought an opportunity to betray him 
Amen. Will you pray with me? Hosanna, glory in the highest God. This is Palm Sunday, and we celebrate your entrance to your city in Jerusalem. God, we pray that you would indeed save us, not just from our issues and our problems, but the sins that live within. God, we pray for your forgiveness, and we pray, God, for a real understanding of your mission to not be served, but to serve God, as that is why you came. You came to die, you came to rise again, and this is the week, God, where we're told once again that you are our true hope. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will do your work here among us and through us here at Living Hope, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So Mark chapter 14, the 11 verses that we have just read together, it's consisted of three stories. First story, the religious leaders, people like me, actually, pastors and priests, they were angry at Jesus and they started to plot to kill him. And then the second story, we're told that the main one here, a woman comes over and breaks an alabaster flask of very costly ointment and anoints Jesus over his head. According to Jesus, he says, this was for my burial. And people are upset about it. They think that it was a waste. And then the last story, Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 main disciples of Christ, goes out to betray Jesus. And for our purposes here today, let me start out with the middle story. I think the middle story here tells us two varying attitudes of how people understood Jesus' mission. Because after all, this was the middle of the Passion Week, Wednesday-ish or Thursday-ish, depending on which scholar you ask. But just a few days ago, Jesus had come into the city of Jerusalem, and he was welcomed like a king. Hosanna, save us. People were laying down palm tree leaves as to welcoming a king. And that was a symbol of a Davidic king because people thought that this was a historically foretold moment where a king among them would rise and he was going to come into Jerusalem and overthrow the Roman Empire who was in charge at that time. And people thought, here comes that king, finally. And what's going to happen to me is I'm going to start gaining things again. Gaining things like power, control, convenience, comfort, things are going to start turning up for me because this king has come. So I better go out there and prepare accordingly and welcome him. That was the attitude of most of the people at the time. And this attitude is shown in verse 4. Would you look at verse 4 with me? It says, These were, there were some who said to themselves indignantly, angrily, why was the ointment wasted like that. Now, the word wasted here, in the original language, it's not a verb. It's a noun. It's called apoleia, which means loss of not just being. When we think about waste, we think about discarding something, right? Like garbage or trash or throwing something away. But apoleia actually means loss of well-being, not loss of being. There's a subtle difference there, but nonetheless, it's an important difference. You see, these people thought that their well-being was the primary importance, something that they were going to prepare for based on Jesus' triumphal entry. So when they were yelling, Hosanna, save us, they were thinking, save us from this Roman government. Save us from my situation so that I may go out there based on your authority. I may gain things back, things again like my convenience, my comfort, my power, the control, 
the things that I can get, my security, all of those things. In fact, in John chapter 12, one of the four stories in the Gospels that tells us the story of the triumphal entry also tells us this exact story that we have read, the story of breaking of the alabaster jar with somewhat differing details, but it tells us the same enough of details that we know that one of the people who are complaining about the flask or the nard being wasted was none other than Judas Iscariot. He's named in John chapter 12 and says Judas used to help himself with the pot of money that was donated to Jesus' ministry. So it's not that this guy was just pure evil and stood against everything that Jesus was doing. It's that he had it in his mind that, okay, this is what Jesus is doing. I'm going to get something out of that. And this is what I'm trying to prepare for. As Jesus goes up in his power and authority, me too. I will also gain some status, some establishment, some security, some comfort, some money maybe, all of those kind of things. So there was that one attitude. I'm going to gain as Jesus is coming to overthrow. And then the second group, I would say, is represented by verse 8. If you would look at verse 8 with me, it says, She has done what she could, and this is Jesus talking, about the woman who had poured the alabaster flask of nard. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. Now, if you break down the original language, the, the, the word that Jesus uses is maritzo, which is a specific word. Sometimes biblical writers and interpreters interpret symbolically, but there is no symbolic interpretation here. Maritzo literally means to embalm a body for burial. That's it. Like, that's, that's literally what it means. And so there's a clear point that's made here that what Jesus is saying is this woman has broken this jar. She would have broken a little flask of alabaster, which is a specific type of mineral. That was a popular mineral made to make jars, used to make jars that contained expensive perfume. Now, perfume was sort of like the 401k or Roth IRA, if you will, of back then. And specifically, we're told that it was worth 300 denarii, which is about an annual it's worth about an annual skilled worker's age. So depending on how you would define skilled worker, we're looking at maybe like 75000 95000 It was worth about that much. So it had significant financial value. Not only that, traditionally women, mothers, would pass down their alabaster flasks to their daughters. And then they, the daughters would pass it on to their daughters. So this was not only a lot of money, this was something sentimentally important. It was a family treasure that this woman came and broke the neck of the jar and poured out the oil that was contained inside the jar, or, or flask rather, and Jesus says, this woman has anointed me specifically for my death. Now, when we read John 12, once again, we're told that this woman is none other than Mary. Mary, the sister of Martha, Mary, the sister of Lazarus, whom lived in Bethany, which is the city of the setting that we're told here that Jesus was in Bethany. And Mary, if you recall, in Luke chapter 10, Mary was the sister who sat by Jesus' feet. And when her sister Martha was running around preparing and being busy and being frustrated, she finally tells Jesus, Lord, tell her what's up. 
Tell her to start helping me out. Jesus' answer is, Mary has chosen what is important. So we can assume here that this woman, Mary, knew what was going to happen, that she knew what the mission of Christ was about, that she wasn't one of those people that when she welcomed Jesus, Hosanna, save us. It wasn't that Hosanna, save us from Roman Empire. It was rather Hosanna, save us from our own sins, the evil that rises within. I know you, Jesus, your mission is to come and die for the sake of others, that you are ransomed for many. You're here to serve and not be served. You see, turns out there were people who welcomed Christ, laying out the same palm tree leaves, but welcoming Christ, a very different king. So on one hand, we have people who are welcoming Jesus as king, somebody that they're going to gain from. And then on the other hand, we have people who are welcoming Jesus, again, a king, but someone who has come, coming to die, to preparing to lose out, to gain from Jesus or to lose out like him. And church, I wonder, on this Palm Sunday, as we too are celebrating the entry of Jesus our Lord into the city of Jerusalem, who do we relate to? Who do we relate to more? You know, when I examine not just the first 11 verses of Mark chapter 14, but really all of the chapter, what I see is God's intentional and clear preparation all towards the same direction. What I see is God's intentional and clear preparation to all towards the same direction throughout Mark chapter 14. This is what I mean. In the first two verses, I already shared that these religious types were angry at Jesus. They were going to kill him, hated him. Hatred is the word here. And then in the middle story, again, Jesus is prepared for burial. Burial. And then Judas Iscariot goes out to betray him. Betrayal. And then in the following story, what Jesus does is he prepares what is called the Passover. Now, the Passover is a theologically significant story to the Israelite people and in many ways to Christians like many of you and myself. This is celebrating the literal passing over the Spirit of God back in the days when Israelite was under Egyptian authority. That the Lord God says to Moses, kill lambs and get their blood. Paint it over your doorsteps and I will cover over and those families that have these blood of the lamb over their doorposts, I will literally pass over them and not bring any harm. And that's how the Egyptian pharaoh lets Israelites go. And for those who are keen theologically would put the pieces together now and realize that Jesus himself is actually the Passover lamb, that his blood was shed and it was literally applied over to you and me and to our families, to our doorsteps, when that the Spirit of God now comes hovering over the earth, that he will literally pass over us. And that's why this occasion is called Passover. In fact, on the first Passover, that we're told here in Mark chapter 14, what Jesus does is he provides the first Lord's Supper. 
He literally breaks the bread and says, here is my body given to you. Here is my blood poured out for you. Hatred, burial, betrayal, body and blood, sacrifice. And you know what happens during that dinner of meal? He looks at Peter, his leading disciple, and says, you're going to deny me three times. You're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows the next morning. And then it's Thursday night, and Jesus goes out washing his feet of the disciples. And then he starts to pray in anguish early Friday morning when his disciples couldn't stay up with him and says, pray with me for I'm about to get arrested and die. And that's how we lead, we get led into Good Friday. Think about this, church. Hatred, burial, betrayal, sacrifice, denial, service, anguish, prayer, and crucifixion. And of course, the breaking of the power of death and the impending resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the week that you and I are starting today from Palm Sunday. That is the week that is upon us, Passion Week or Holy Week, as some would like to call. God's mission was clear. It was to come and die for the sake of others. It was to come and die and atone for the sins of people like you and me. It wasn't to come and have his way to overthrow, to overpower, to give us wealth and riches and control, convenience and comfort, but it was to come and die a criminal's death so that he may bring healing upon those who are sick, restoration to people who are broken, to peace to people who are fighting and hurting, good news to the poor, it says, sight to the blind, and freedom to those who are oppressed. So church, I want to ask, as we start out this Palm Sunday, this Holy Week, what are we preparing for? Are we preparing for anything? And if we are preparing for something, then is it to gain? I like Jesus. Yeah, it's cool, you know, but I want to, you know, get a little something out of him. Peace of mind, maybe. Or are we, are we really understanding his mission? And is our lives oriented towards that? As Jesus, Son of Man, has come to serve and not be served, so will you be. And of course, I'm not just talking about this Palm Sunday and Holy Week, you know, only. But what I sense in your life and mine is that we're starting to enter a transition time with this thing called COVID, right? Man, I'm so tired of COVID. I didn't even know what COVID was, right? Like a year ago, and we're like now experts, you know, we're all experts at, you know, immunizations and science and mRNA, like whatever that is, you know, like we're all experts now, right? Like we know too much. I get a sense that we're starting to, as, as more and more of us are getting vaccinated, right? Like we're starting to enter into some sort of a transition phase. Um, I started to go out to restaurants, right? Some of our restaurants are now open, some of our favorite ones, right? And so we're eating. Movie theaters, right? Movie theaters are open. Some of the gyms that we know have started to open, 
right? Disneyland, come on, somebody. Disneyland is open April 30th. I'll see you there, okay? Uh, schools, right? Some of our schools have already been open, and, and more and more schools are going to open, and I hear chatters about graduation even. Graduation may happen, and it's exciting. It's exciting to go back to our friends and our family, life as usual, you know, our comfort, our rhythm, the things that we know. But I also know that for some of us, we're still grieving, are we not? I know some of you personally who've literally had to let go of, of your loved ones this season, and I'm so sorry that that's been the case. Funerals have been delayed because so many people have passed, delayed for weeks, forcing people to cremate. People have gotten sick, right? Maybe some of you have gotten sick yourselves, and some of us have lost jobs, right? Our businesses, for those of you who are business owners, we have lost our businesses, right? Experiences of life, right? For those of you who are students, right? Some of you are freshmen. I see some of you, my freshman boys. Love you guys. You guys have lost out on your first year of college, right? Now, now it worked out well for me because, you know, I get to hang out with you, but, yeah, we'll talk about that later. Um, seniors, so sorry, right? Like, can you imagine spending your last hurrah stuck at home <laughs> on Zoom? Not okay. Weddings, right? Maybe some of you have gotten married and engaged at the season, not the wedding ceremony that you would have imagined, right? COVID weddings. So I think even with all the positives and the negatives, the overall sentiment that I'm picking up from all of us is that we're just ready. We're ready to go out there. Man, I'm prepared to get back all the things that I have lost out on, to redeem the life that I had lost. I'm going to have all the fun that I can have and meet with all of these people, enjoy all of the Korean barbecue or sushi or Thai food or whatever that suits your boat. And you get my point, that we're waiting. We're ready in our hearts. We're preparing to gain things. But church, can I slow us down? And on this Palm Sunday, I don't want to be a party pooper, okay? Pastors, a lot of times, we're party poopers, right? Like, but I don't want to be that. But at the same time, today being Palm Sunday, thinking about the entry, the triumphal entry of Christ, I do wonder whether our lives are oriented towards the mission of Christ, who has chosen to lose out for the sake of many, rather than gaining things for himself. I wonder if we are people who are yelling, Hosanna, save us. Save us, not just from our problems. Save us from not just the, the annoying coworker that's sitting across the, the cubicle, but save us from our own sins. Save us from the evil that's within. I wonder if we are people who are throwing down palm tree leaves, welcoming Jesus, the king who can give us, and without realizing that this was a king who rode into the city on a donkey, a symbol for humility, servitude, and hard work. I wonder if we are preparing for the burial 
of our egos or just the usual satisfaction of it. You know, this week um, is personally important to me. Uh, I, I have actually started my journey at Living Hope with you guys April 1st, 2020. This is the 52nd week that I have been with this church, and it's gone by so fast, and at the same time, it also feels like I've been here for 10 years, you know? Like, I've literally joined right after the shutdown, and boy, it's, it's been a crazy ride, but you know, first and foremost, I just want to say thank you for many of you who are on our pastoral staff, my coworkers in Christ who have welcomed me and, and served me and forgiven me already for many of my mistakes. And for those of you who are in my cell group, you know, shout out to you guys, my leaders and my community. For many of you who have given me a call and messages and stopping to say hello to me because you recognize me from your screens and encouragements that you have poured out to my wife and my daughter. Of course, my Route 28 community, I love you guys, my staff and my students. Man, thank you. Thank you so much for your kindness and faithfulness. We feel truly blessed to be here. But you know, no offense to any one of you at Living Hope, but my therapist once told me that my life has been a series of uprooting and replanting. Uprooting and replanting. Maybe some of you guys relate. You know, I'm an immigrant. I came from Korea when I was 12, and I had to uproot myself. I still remember when my parents asked me, you know, hey, uh, you know, the papers came to go to America. Do you want to go? I'm like, no. You know, <laughs> you guys go. You know, <laughs> next week they're like, yeah, we're going to go. I'm like, hate you guys, you know. I had to uproot my life, you know, leave my friends and, you know, my own language and culture. And I had to settle in L.A. And, and it was hard, <laughs> you know, it was rough. And right when I felt like I was settling in in Koreatown, um, I moved to the city of Fullerton to go to the greatest high school in the world, Sunny Hills High School, go Lancers. Yes and amen. Not really, but, you know, <laughs> it was cool. I had a good time. Um, and this was a different world, you know, different world. And Orange County, man, boy, so different, you know. Um, but I had to get uprooted and get settled in into life in suburbia. And when I, when I felt like I did that, I lost my faith in Christ. And I thought I would never go back to church again. And so when I went to college, you know, I joined fraternities. And just because you're in a frat doesn't mean that you're bad. But for me, that was a sign of, you know, wanting to chase after certain things that, that wasn't Jesus. And then when I met Christ, I, I such, had such a radical transformation in my life. And here I was yet again uprooted and replanted. And when I joined Living Hope, I certainly felt like I was uprooted from my previous community, which you know, I love dearly and whom I was so loved by as well. But because of COVID and its limitations of building community and relationships, to be honest, I. I didn't, I so far haven't felt like I've completely been replanted. And again, please don't take this the wrong way. You all have been wonderful. You know that bad breakup line? It's not, it's not you, it's me. You know, it's, it's not you, right? It's me, okay. But you know, as things start coming back, as more and more of you are here right in front of me, and you know, as more and more of you are watching our YouTube, um, I have to confess to you guys, 
I'm excited not just to get to know you more and to be fully planted in this beautiful church at Living Hope Community. But I'm excited because honestly, I think I'm going to gain something out of it through Christ. That I'm not one of those people that, you know, John the Baptist, right, in, in John chapter 3, that here is Jesus. He must be greater. I must be lower. No, I'm not one of those people. I'm one of those people who says he must be greater so that I can be great too. Have you been there before? For me, it's silly things like our YouTube views, right? I check our YouTube views every week, okay? All right? When I get 300 views or above, I'm satisfied, all right? Okay, okay. When I get 200 or less, I'm like, what's up with these unfaithful people? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, you know? Woo, God forgive me, you know? But really though, like, these little things and more eyeballs looking at me and more glory to me, somehow it makes me feel like, oh, I'm being more influential. I'm more powerful. I'm more recognized. I am somebody. Oh, look at me now. Man. I got to tell you, I, I, I relate more with people of verse 4 who says, Hosanna, welcome, finally. Through you, I'm going to get something out of it. More power, more control, more convenience, more comfort in my life. Yes. But church, I think the mission of Jesus and the message of Palm Sunday is clear. That he is a king who came to die on a donkey for a life of humility and servitude and work on the cross. And not just that power of resurrection that has invited us and given us a chance to live like he does a life of serving others a life to lose out rather than gain and so as we are facing a passion week yet again this holy week once again can i ask you to consider that jesus right in the middle of this week was prepared for none other than his burial. That he was anointed beforehand specifically to die. Would you pray with me? Can I ask you, church, as you have your heads down to perhaps reflect a little bit on what that all means, what that might look like for you, that if you were to choose a life intentionally of losing out, you know, I'm not faulting you of wanting to go out with your friends and family. And in fact, God rejoices, I believe, as your relationship with your loved ones get deeper. But Jesus was clear that he charged us to love those who hate us. He says, what credit is it to you, church, that if you love those who love you back? But he said... Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What might, might that look like in our lives in this particular season as we face this Passion Week on this Palm Sunday and as we start to go back, it seems, into the quote-unquote normal life from COVID? Can I ask you to pray with me just for a minute?
Hosanna, save us, God. Save us from our wretched selves, from this ego that continues to tell our, 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 us to feed it, to nurture it, to satisfy it. Lord, help us to die to ourselves today. And not just today, but each and every day. Not because you were somehow displeased when we have a good time with our friends and our loved ones, but because you are God who came to this earth to die, to atone, to forgive, to heal, and to restore, to free, to empower, and to love, to serve, and to lose rather than gain and be served. We cannot do this without you, God. So I pray for your Holy Spirit to come upon every single brother and sister that are in this space and that are online and their families. Lord, may the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, be painted upon our doorsteps on this Palm Sunday as we sing Hosanna, save us and glory and the highest to you, O God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.